0: With the wearison of the gavel, ga- I will call the Peace River Town Council a regular meeting for Monday, January 12, 2015, uh, to order. Let the record show that the meeting was called to order at uh, three minutes after five. We, uh, that takes us to, to the adoption of the agenda. And uh, there is w- at least one item to be added. Uh, Mighty, some under unfinished business, Mighty Peace Tourist Association office space. Any other additions or deletions, uh, Mr. Ford?
1: Yes, Your Worship. I'd like to add the uh, level of fire service policy to the agenda, please.
0: Right. I, yeah, I was a bit surprised that wasn't there. Were, were you planning to talk about that tomorrow or? I, what oh. I was going to do was bring it back. Uh let's do it before the budget. So that would be unfinished business, would it then? Under Yes.
2: Or would it? Yes. Level of service department would be unfinished business believe.
0: Oh, but but that isn't before the budget. So is the budget under five two, two or eight two eight seven eight two. eight two. Eight two. So let's let's make that eight. Point one, point five. That's what you get for, for, for having a career in the government. You can.
2: Uh, I'm sorry, Your Worship. Just for clarification, we're making it unfinished business. Point five. New business. No business? Okay.
0: Do you? Okay, mm-hmm. sure. We'll make it uh, new business then. Point six. Yeah. Eight, yeah. New business. So, no, it'll be, it'll, we'll discuss it before the operating budget. Oh, so, okay. we'll make that eight, Roman numeral eight, uh-huh. and then uh, one, and then a point
2: five.
0: Oh, okay, thank you. Okay. Um, any deletions? Okay, hearing none, I'll entertain a motion to accept the agenda as amended. Councillor Benke, all in favor? Passed. That takes us to the minutes of the January 5th, 2015, regular meeting of council. Um, Assuming that everyone has read, read through it thoroughly, I will ask for any corrections that need to be made. I'm seeing people shaking their head. I'm assuming that means that they, not that they haven't read it, but that they haven't, didn't find any errors or omissions.
1: I did read them, Your Worship, and I would uh, propose a motion that we accept the minutes uh, for January 5th as presented.
0: All in favor of Councillor Needham's motion? That takes us to the minutes of the January 7th, 2015 special meeting of council. Uh, Any. uh, that should be relatively brief. Most of that was discussion. Any um any uh, changes need to be made there? Anyone gonna make a motion? I'll make a motion to accept that. <laughs> okay, okay. Cal- councillor Burr's motion. All in favor? Uh that takes us to public hearings. Are there any public hearings to be on this let off? No. Okay, that will take us to presentations, and we have the pleasure of having the Municipal Heritage Planning Committee, uh, or group, come before us to make a presentation. I'm assuming you're heading this up, Ms. Glor?
2: Um, introducing Michael Tommy with the Municipal Heritage Partnership Program. He's the Municipal Heritage uh, Services Officer from Edmonton, who is uh, in the area making a presentation to Saddle Hills County and uh, asked if we would like to meet with him. We said yes, please. Um, so he is going to give you an overview of the Main Street program uh, managed out of his office, but in the meantime, I'd also like to introduce you uh, to Kate Churchill, who you know from MMSA, and Alicia Modi, MMSA. Both uh, are uh, participating on the Heritage Places Committee, and Jeff Milligan is also on the committee, and Megan Purcell from the museum is also on the committee. So we just wanted to, uh, to be here also for that opportunity just to... To hear Michael Tommy make his uh, presentation we understand that you've already had some consideration with the Main Street program from what um, Kate Churchill has presented to you over to you thank you
0: welcome mr. Tommy thank you
2: uh, I'm just
3: going to take a moment to pull up the presentation. Me, please. All right. (coughs) This is going to work slowly, ever so slowly, but it will work. Can everyone? I'm assuming you can all see what's on my screen here. All right. As Laura, thank you for that introduction, Laura. As Laura mentioned, my name's Michael Tommy. I'm with the Department of Culture and Tourism, Government of Alberta, uh, with the Historic Resources Management Branch. I think I recognize a few of you. We've been working with Peace River on and off for the last five years, I would say. Is that? Laura's nodding, so I'm going to say that's correct. With various projects related to identifying and uh, evaluating different historic buildings in Peace River. And we work with a lot of the municipalities in Alberta doing this type of work. Peace River is one of about 30 municipalities that have done work uh, along this line in some regard. I am, however, tonight going to focus on the Main Street Program. Um, The Alberta Main Street Program has been operating for roughly, well, as its own program, it's been operating for about... 30 years now, Uh, in Canada there has been a Main Street program of some type or another since the late 1970s, and it's based on a U.S. program that started roughly at the same time. Um, I'm going to begin by asking, I guess, what do you all think of when you think of historic Main Street or historic commercial area? Does anything pop into your mind? Old Old buildings? Old facades? Old facades? Unique, that's a good one. Well, the sign of the highway is pointing you towards something. Anyone else? It brings in a very warm community atmosphere. They're usually um, walkable. They were designed at a time before cars were quite so dominant in so it, so they're usually designed in a way that encourages people to get out of their vehicles and walk from store to store. Um, they're usually unique. It's important to understand that prior to the Second World War, unlike today, unlike today when um, people are expensive and building materials are cheap comparatively, it, we had the opposite situation historically where it was the building materials were expensive but labor was cheap. So because of that, Building materials were usually uh, manufactured locally, brick was usually uh, made within a few hundred kilometres of where it was used, and it was local craftsmen and occasionally uh, a locally trained architect that designed and built these structures. So each historic Main Street, as a result of that, is a unique place. It's not like any other place in the world, unlike modern construction, which has many benefits, of course, but... A 1970s house or office building in Peace River could very well look the same as one in Grimshaw, as one in Sexsmith, as one in Edmonton, as one in Red Deer. There's much more uh, stereotypical construction in the more modern period. So they are unique, and because of that, it's a way of marketing your unique community to both yourselves. It can be a place where people come to celebrate and and meet their friends, but it's also something that you can market to a certain degree to people from outside of the community. So the Alberta Main Street program started as its own program in the mid-1980s. About ten years ago now we revamped the program to what it is today with the focus on uh for for sort of organizational strategies, their design, making sure the main street is inviting. It's, it's uh, old but not tired, that there's good way finding. People feel comfortable and can find their way around. They know where all of the public facilities are. Marketing the main street, both within the community as a place that you can come to run your errands and have a coffee or whatnot. Um, economic development, ensuring that there's a right mix of businesses in the Main Street area to attract uh, people to come downtown. Maybe they're coming to get some groceries, or maybe they're coming to buy a pair of pants, that they'll stay for the coffee shop, or they'll maybe pass by another business on their way to their car and see something that they'd like to look at. So ensuring that there's a good mixture of different types of businesses is important in a Main Street area. And uh, finally, economic development and organization, ensuring that the business owners and the people who primarily benefit from the program are the ones driving the program. And these all support heritage conservation. In the, the Main Street program, heritage conservation is both the goal, all of this helps fund the heritage conservation, The historic buildings are also, though, the primary asset that you're using to create this environment that's inviting for people and businesses to come and spend their time. Uh, The first step to joining the Main Street program that I would emphasize, and Peace River has done this in the past, is conduct what's called a heritage inventory. And that's where you select a certain number of, of places within a community and do more in-depth analysis to determine why they're historically significant or architecturally significant, if there is enough of those elements remaining that can be preserved so that it can function as a historic place, that it's it's not a memory of a place that you're trying to commemorate, it's an actual place that can be physically conserved, and then start working towards making a plan to see those elements conserved and, by extension, conserving the building. So... These are some services the department can offer in cooperation with the town. We uh, can offer matching grants to help do an inventory study of the Main Street area, if that's something that you are interested in. There are also conservation advisors in Alberta. Some of you may be familiar with the name Gary Chen, if you work at all with uh, the museum or the historical society, or if you know of anyone who owns a designated historic place in the region. He's the conservation advisor for Northern Alberta, and he makes fairly frequent trips up here to see the various historic resources that have been designated and give advice to the owners. And his advice involves the standards of guidelines for conserving historic places. Um, in terms of how does the program work, it is a locally driven program. The Alberta Main Street Program's purpose is to give advice and project-based grants to communities that have been certified as Main Street communities. Currently in Alberta, there's five communities that have been certified. The Old strath district of Edmonton, that would be the area around White Avenue, if you're familiar with Edmonton at all, has been certified as a Main Street area. Camrose, downtown Camrose has been certified as a Main Street area. Downtown Wainwright has been certified as a Main Street area. Uh, a portion of Downtown Olds has been certified. And Downtown Lethbridge, just to the west around of the courthouse around Galt Gardens, has been certified as a Main Street area. So they're the communities that are currently participating in the program. Um, The program, aside from all the advice and the assistance to the local community to get organized and set up as a Main Street program, once you're certified, the community can also apply for grants around those four points I was talking about, design, marketing, organization, and economic development, to do projects around facilitating actions under those broad categories. And I think I'm still under time. Does anyone have any questions? I am
0: done my point. Oh, you're done. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're not used to people sticking well, to the time limit. <laughs> one of the
3: disadvantages of being with the Department of Culture is people generally are not hesitant to cut you off at the end of your 15 minutes. So that is very good training to make sure that when I'm given a time slot, I stick to it.
4: You mentioned matching grants. Um, is there a maximum matching part of the grant? Like, is it, it?
3: They're generally 50-50, so the government or the Alberta Historical Resources Foundation. The government through the Alberta Historical Resources Foundation will put in a dollar for every dollar that the municipality puts in. Uh, for a town doing an inventory project, it would be to a maximum of $20,000. So it would be up to half of a $40,000 project for an inventory study. Now, the Foundation also offers grants to designated buildings. If something was designated, I understand from Laura that uh, the Council is going to, in the near future, contemplate the designation of, I believe, the Masonic Lodge as a municipal historic resource. Uh, If something is designated by uh, Council as a municipal historic resource or by the provincial government as a provincial historic resource, and that was also listed on the Alberta Registry of Historic Places, the owner of that building could apply for up to half of uh, a project that cost $100,000, so $50,000 towards conservation work towards a building. Um, Beyond that, in Alberta, uh, once you're certified as a Main Street community, you can apply for project-based grants around those four points I was talking about. So a marketing plan, you could apply for up to $10,000 to work on a marketing plan design guidelines for the Main Street area you could apply for grants for that um, if you needed a consultant to help you set up the nonprofit organization that would most likely run a Main Street program that would be something that would be eligible for a grant those types of things around the Main Street program
0: as well Kate Churchill is has been uh, well, we have a uh, revi- downtown revitalization plan uh, concept, mm-hmm. and Kate Churchill has been lobbying for the Main Street program to be a big part of that. So, can you, um, without going on for the whole night, but can you talk about a case study where uh, how how um, your this Main Street program has helped revitalize downtown and? And what are some of the costs that we can expect, and even how much elbow grease we should we need to put
3: into it? <coughs> well, it's certainly a project that would be run locally. It's not something that the province quote unquote would run for you. So um, the major ongoing expense would be uh, one of in order to get certified as a main street community, there needs to be a, a person it doesn't that person doesn't necessarily have to work for the town. <coughs> In most of the other communities, uh, that person works for either a nonprofit or a BRZ that is set up for the Main Street area, and we call that person the coordinator, and their job is to coordinate all the activities of the Main Street program. They would run um, advertising campaigns on behalf of all the business owners. They would plan special Mm -hmm. events that would attract people to the Main Street area, maybe a Canada Day parade, or um, in Olds, they have... March Madness, a big sale every March, different events to attract people to come downtown. They would be the ones that uh, there's committees organized around the different four points. There's a board that runs the program that's made up mostly of uh, representatives of the business owners, but also other people with an interest in the Main Street area. They would be the secretary to that board, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That would be the l- largest ongoing expense. Um... In order to set up the program, the first step would be to do an inventory study of a proposed Main Street area to see how many historic buildings you have, why they're historic, and what needs to be done in, I think, the case of Peace River, the sort of first issue would be is that a lo- you seem to have a lot of historic buildings. I, I spent the afternoon with um, Laura and uh, Sorry.
5: That's
3: okay. Kate Tate many names, driving around the downtown area. And I think you've got a fair number of historic buildings, but they've got slip covers on them. They don't look historic. They look like someone showed up in the 1980s and covered everything with vinyl, frankly. And that would have to be... We do have to make sure that there's historic elements under those buildings that would read as from their era. And that era could be the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. It doesn't have to be super old. But there needs to be a plan then to s- begin slowly working back towards the authentic historic period. So um, how much it, of a
0: commitment from, from, uh, from the owners of these buildings is required? So it's obviously a big commitment on, on the part of the owners, isn't it?
3: It is. It is something, I would say that it is something that the majority of the owners have to want. So I'm not sure if I can give you a definite answer at this point, but there would definitely be both in terms of time and finance as a commitment. They They would be the ones ultimately running the project through the board.
4: Is it just the outside of the building that gets to be part of the project, or does the whole building have to be...
3: Ideally, it's the whole building. It's not just the facade that would be uh, preserved, particularly if there were interior elements that could be preserved.
1: When you were doing your tour with uh, the with Peace River staff, did you stop by the Chamber of Commerce office by any chance? Did uh, Have you... Um, Stopped? Not, no. Uh, okay, so I guess I'm looking over your shoulder at Laura here. To me, it seems as though the Chamber of Commerce would be an obvious, in our case, would be the obvious to find out right what, what their interest is in this, but it, what's your sense of that? I mean, um, the reason why those buildings are covered in vinyl is because the owner was trying to make a living, and it looked like an old worn-out building, and he put vinyl up because he was trying to generate a of retail course, business. Yeah. So, you know, it's we're talking two different... Well, I'm not sure if we are or we aren't, but certainly two, two different approaches to attracting the retail customer to your store. And mm-hmm. uh, the vinyl guy figured he had it right, and now this idea seems to suggest that that this model works better. But
3: oh, absolutely, the, the vinyl or whatnot, the slip covers that were applied were applied because at the time there was some issue with the building it was probably leaking, or the windows were separating, the, the transom windows were separating from their frames, or something, and that seemed at the time to be the easiest, simplest, cheapest method of addressing that. Now, from the perspective of a main street program, the problem with doing it that way is that the asset you're trying to market is the historic nature of the district. Come, if you, it, um, if you're familiar with Old Strathcona in Edmonton, or downtown Lacombe is another excellent example, or Didsbury or Olds, or Inglewood in Calgary, all these neighborhoods that are obviously. They're commercial buildings, but they're from uh, an earlier time. They're largely intact. They still look like the 1930s or the 40s or the 50s. There's an ambiance to the area. And what attracts many of the businesses and most of the patrons to that area as an area is they're coming to experience that ambiance, and they're coming to some of the unique businesses that exist within that area. And then they're staying, they're walking around, and they're doing some shopping in some of the other businesses. So it is, that sort, it is the ambiance that attracts people originally. That is the thing. The Main Street program is both designed to utilize that as an asset, to be able to use that in marketing, mm-hmm. but also to help pay for the conservation, the revenue that you generate by all that extra business. Some of it needs to go into conserving the district. I know that's a longer answer, but
1: did I get to your? I, I guess what I was driving at is in your walk about did did you have some assessment of as to what the interest of peace, downtown peace river is in this program and i i don't know if business no owners know this or um, we're the only ones that know it. i mean i've lots of us here have been to granville islands and white avenue mm-hmm. we, we know we know what you're talking about but it's a question of you know who takes the first step i guess and who what's the organizing committee and who's who's the coordinator that you're referring to and who sort of leads this thing. It's great for politicians to sit around and talk about the vision, which we can do, but sooner or later we need somebody to to, to run with it. And I just wondered if you had a sense of that. And uh, No, uh, okay. I, I, I okay, didn't no, have fair, the opportunity to talk to anyone today.
6: So if, <clears throat> pardon me, if I'm understanding this correctly, you're saying we need to do historic inventory of the buildings on Main Street. That's sort of step one. Mm-hmm. So if we identify certain buildings as being historic – Some of the experience that I've had with historically identified buildings can tie the hands of the landowners in terms of then how they... And maybe we're talking different levels of historic recognition of how they um, maintain or how they upgrade or how they uh, change their building. So I guess my question is, is if we do this inventory and if the business owners of the day buy into it and do it, does that inhibit their ability then for the if they sell their building to the next person to not have to carry that on?
3: Uh, The short answer is no, it doesn't. uh, Just simply doing an inventory is just a study. You're identifying the historic places within a community. You're assessing them to see if they have enough intent. Well, first of all, I guess you're trying to identify precisely why they're significant to the town of Peace River. What about their history, their architecture, their association with the person makes them significant? The second thing you're trying to determine is, are the physical elements that tie to whatever that significance is still there and intact? And if they are, you have a historic place potentially. Now, at that point, you've written a statement of significance which explains why certain buildings are historically, architecturally, whatever, significant. What physical elements need to be preserved? At that point, you're in a position to designate the building if you so choose and if the owner would agree to it. Once a building is designated as a municipal historic resource, it is somewhat as you say in that before a building owner does any work on the building that would detract from any of those elements, they need permission. So that, when something is designated, that designation runs with the land, so any future owners would also be tied by that designation. But simply doing an inventory in and of itself. No, 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 that way. then I
6: understand that. My yeah. question was, if you take it to the next level, then yeah. does does this become an issue? So, if you were to run with this project, um, is is it contingent on you having the buildings actually designated as historically significant, or can you do a main street project without? The businesses agreeing to having their buildings being historically significant. You can do a main you can join the main street program without the buildings joining
3: uh, being designated. Being designated though, is how they get funding for conservation. There is no provincial government money available for a non-designated building for conservation work.
6: So is there a maximum grant a building can apply for in terms of repairs and upgrades that are required? Fifty thousand dollars per project project and that's a that's a dollar for dollar matching grant that's correct
5: okay. uh, I, you probably can't answer but maybe laura can like what percentage of those downtown businesses have been like like we've seen one or two of those assessments or inventory reports done there were previous like you've been working on that for years like what percentage has been done already
2: building. Um, that's that's it on Main Street. The, there's a potential with the Athabasca Hall, possibly. There's um, residents, a couple of residents that have been identified. The one strong element is the Masonic Lodge, which is they will be our first um, application for designation. It's their 100th anniversary this year, so they're going to apply for designation. So they're in the downtown area, but as Michael said, they're not in a consolidated area. So what we do have is is spread out. It's not a district per se. Okay,
5: all right. so no, I just I was under the impression like we saw like when we first were elected we saw a report and the ones you've named we've seen those. I just assumed that you'd done two or three reports in previous years that we hadn't seen yet. Okay, no,
2: we've done we've done two. So to date we've got uh, twenty two buildings that. Have been okay. identified or inventoried, as Michael said, and and then the Masonics are, will be the first application for designation. But I, I guess just by way of um, explanation, we're not we're not coming to you proposing this as a as a as what we're not asking you to buy into this. It's just came out of a discussion that you'd had earlier with regards to downtown. Um, Revitalization, refreshing, rebranding, and it was uh, a suggestion that we look at it and consider it. So mm-hmm. we're not here at this point to say we've got this is this is the direction that we would like to go. This is just a, for information only.
4: Mm-hmm. And um, if I can add, what appealed to me about the Main Street program is that it just it's such a good foundation for revitalization. And it really is focusing on creating, um, you know, sorry for the planner jargon, but community capacity to to, su- to create a program and revitalization that, sus- that is sustainable, that is sustained by the community, and that is primarily the business community, and that is not an easy thing to, to form. Like, and a, a council can enforce that. Um, but how do you, I think... I don't know. I, I think this is just a, a good a starting point in terms of looking at um, those four points, the four pillars that need to be hit um, or, or addressed when it comes to revitalization, um, and maybe working down the road to becoming a member of this program, but doing the groundwork right now and really focusing on the things that... Will make a program like this successful, or revitalization in, in general. Um, and I think including heritage as an aspect of that is—it's—it's uh, the it's built-in identity and uniqueness. And uh, so that's—I think that's where we're coming from from a planning perspective. Um,
3: and just something I might add to that is that I—I've always found that the greater benefit of heritage well, one of the great benefits of heritage conservation, unlike a lot of other economic development strategies, is that it's all about trying to figure out what it is you already have that you can use. A lot of the other economic development programs, particularly in urban areas, that at least I've had experience with or I've heard about, all seem to rotate fundamentally around you're missing an X, you need to build X, Y, you don't have a conference center, you don't have a big enough hotel, you don't have a whatever, you need to build something. So they acquire some property, they tear some stuff down, they build a whatever it was, and then they wonder why everyone doesn't just come. The advantage of a heritage conservation-based economic development strategy is it starts with you've already got whatever it is that you're going to be able to capitalize on, figure out what that thing is. And with a Main Street community, that thing is the historic buildings that already exist so you don't have to go out and figure out what it is you don't have the underlying assumption is you've got it already you're just not using it to the full potential thank you for
0: questions. well uh, thank you very much
3: welcome thank you for the opportunity
0: So we have another presentation, and that is from North Peace Housing, and I'd like to welcome Mr. Richard Will and the Chair of North Peace Housing, Doug Dallant.
7: Welcome, gentlemen. So how much time do we have? <laughs> I think Take call. as
0: long as you don't want. <laughs> okay. So
7: the presentation is about um, if I really run through it quickly, there's a ton of information in it, so I can probably get it done in about 22 minutes.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Okay. No worries. Okay. We're the nicest council in the region. Isn't that right, Mr. Dillon?
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
5: yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All
7: right, good evening, everyone. Can everybody hear me?
0: Yep.
7: Okay. All right, I want to first thank uh, council for inviting us Uh to have this opportunity to present our business plan. Uh, Tonight we're going through our 2015 to 2018 business plan and hopefully we'll have some time at the end to go over some questions you might have. Uh, The business plan presents the board's take on the current conditions within our region, the business we're in, the opportunities and threats that we have and from that we try to plan a course of action to best fulfill our mandate It relates to a reference point of 2015 to 2018, the four-year period, uh, but the plan must be continually adjusted to deal with changing external factors that affect our organization. I thought I should begin with a few comments about North Peace Housing in general, and then we can move on to the items uh, in our business planning process. The foundation was established in 1995 as a management body under the Alberta Housing Act, to provide housing that's accessible to low-income households. The Foundations area spans some 60,000 square kilometres. We manage well over $100 million in assets, and we have an operating budget in excess of $9.5 million. We employ about 120 people in the region. Management bodies operate the provincial housing programs under the Alberta Housing Act, The legislation and the regulations that accompany it govern everything from how tenants are selected to how municipalities contribute to deficits to how we can invest any reserve funds that we might have the foundation's primary business is management of what are typically government-owned properties for seniors and low-income families the foundation has three main housing portfolios supportive housing in our lodge facilities seniors' independent living in our seniors' apartments, and family housing for low-income families in detached and semi-detached homes throughout the region. Uh, We have become more involved in the area of property development over the last several years. The Foundation provides seniors with supportive housing in five seniors' lodges within the region. Our lodges provide seniors with the necessary support services allowing them to maintain their independence and remain connected to the community. These include housekeeping, food services, and recreation programming. We are not involved with long-term care. However, the Alberta Health Services is involved in our operations as they are the main care provider for the residents of our supportive living facilities. Our staff supplement this when RHA staff are not scheduled in our in our uh, buildings. Most of our staff are employed in this area, and the operation management and maintenance of these facilities is a big part of what we do uh, our, from our main office in here in Peace River. Here's a quick look at our supportive living facilities. This is Autumn Lodge in Berwyn. It was built in 1959. We renovated it in 1995. Its uh, suites uh, range in sizes from 135 square feet to 228 square feet. This is the Del Air Lodge located in Manning. It was built in the mid-70s and was upgraded in 1999. The foundation constructed 13 additional suites onto that building as part of that upgrade. And the suites range in size from 205 to 270 square feet. This is the Homesteader Lodge in Heinz Creek. It's the smallest of our facilities. It was built in 1983 and was renovated in 2005. And part of that renovation included building on an additional common area lounge and a smoking room. The suite sizes, there's 27 of them. They're just over 200 square feet. This is Heritage Tower Tower in Peace River. It was constructed in 1984 and opened along the Hart River in 1985. There are a total of 43 one-bedroom, 500-square-foot suites and 39 traditional lodge rooms that are approximately and. 45 square feet. And finally, this is the Harvest Lodge in Fairview. It's the newest of our uh, lodge facilities. It's 65 suites. It come in two traditional lodge room sizes, 325 square feet and 350 square feet. And couples are accommodated here by combining two adjoining suites together. So of the 65 suites, 12 of them can be adjoined to create six suites for couples. We also manage seniors' independent living facilities in most communities in the area. These are all one-bedroom apartments designed for seniors. They either have So they either have ground-level entrances or they're multi-level buildings with an elevator. Rents are set in accordance to provincial legislation at 30% of income, so we must verify incomes annually uh, of our tenants. The Alberta Housing Act dictates that we must house applicants according to need, so each applicant is point scored to determine their priority. We're responsible for all building maintenance, from snow shoveling to any major interior or exterior renovations. Operating costs in excess of rental revenue is covered by the province. There's no municipal contributions towards the cost of these buildings. So here's a few of our projects. This is Legion Court in Grimshaw. This is Green Valley, which is adjacent to Heritage Tower here in Peace River. And this is Garrison Manor in Fairview. So all these buildings were constructed um, in the period beginning in the late uh, 70s to the mid-80s under the Senior Citizen Self-Contained Program. And this program lasted until early 1990s with the last units built in our area in 1991 in Worsley and in Nampa. Managing family housing is also a big part of what we do since 1995 when we assumed the management of these properties. Our duties in this area are also centred much around tenant administration and maintenance. Rents are set in accordance to the provincial legislation at 30% of income. Point scoring is based on a number of factors including applicants' income, family composition and the condition of their current housing. All maintenance is done or coordinated by the foundation and costs are supported by the province. There's been no municipal contributions for these family housing projects since the Housing Act was incorporated in 1994. Our goal is to try and make these properties fit into the surroundings as much as possible. We have to deal with what we've been given in some respects, but we try to make them as invisible as possible, so to speak. It's a balancing act between providing well-maintained accommodation with what the community expects and what the province is willing to spend. So here's a few of our... Units They come in uh, detached and semi-detached. This is a duplex in Grimshaw. And they're, they're, um, they're scattered throughout the region, but they're mostly in the four uh, major centres of Peace River, Grimshaw, Manning, and Fairview. And we have a total of 164 of these suites across the region. And this is the Kaufman Hill townhouse development behind the high school here in Peace River. We also provide assistance to households uh, renting in the private sector under two rent supplement programs. Our role here is to screen applicants and point score them, apply to the province on the tenant's behalf for rent supplement, and then complete the funding transactions and reimbursement reports. In 2007, the Foundation delivered eight manufactured homes to Caudot Lake under the Sustainable Remote Housing Initiative. Under under that program, applicants are able to obtain affordable home ownership by paying 20% of their income plus all expenses towards the uh, cost of the building. Our role is to ensure payments are made and that the assets are maintained and protected from loss. The province has implemented a new capital investment strategy to increase affordable housing stock across the province. Rather than build and own the properties since about 2006, the province is encouraging investment by ha- housing management bodies, nonprofits and for-profits by providing capital grants to see the construction of new housing, for, which is intended for households in core housing need. Affordable housing grants resulted in the construction of over 12,000 housing units across the province since about 2007. North Peace Housing Foundation accessed this grant to construct the Garden Court Project adjacent to the hospital here in town. $5 million was provided by the province to the foundation, and along with $450,000 provided by the town of Peace River through their MSI funding, approximately 50% of the cost of that building was, uh, was received from provincial sources. The balance was financed through loans from foundation reserves and from loans provided by municipalities who had the capacity in their own reserves to invest in this project. Garden Court opened this time last year and and was fully occupied by the middle of August and has pretty well maintained that ever since. The 63-suite apartment building for independent adults over the age of 55 has 53 one-bedroom suites and 10 two-bedroom suites. It is a mixed-income building with 44 of those suites under the Affordable Housing Program and the balance being provided at market rates. The revenue from the building is covering all operating and debt servicing costs. It's providing a beautiful home to 81 seniors in 63 suites, and many of them are brand new residents to the town of Peace River. Garden Court is the first stage of our planned development of the Westview property that is owned by North Peace Housing. And this is the depiction of that uh, development site, and that's the plan concept design plan that the uh, mckenzie municipal services agency drew up for us the garden court project is one example of how the foundation has become more involved in the development of affordable housing properties we believe we have a tremendous opportunity to work with the province and the municipalities to strengthen affordable housing in our communities The presence of affordable housing developments operated by housing management bodies will ensure options are available within our region that seniors and families can access, even with modest means. Over the past 8 to 10 years, we have seen the private sector involvement in affordable housing expand significantly, and we believe non-profit organizations like ours have an important role to ensure that affordable housing options remain available, particularly for our seniors. The seniors' housing demand will continue to grow and our organization will be looked at to supply housing for those without the financial capacity to either move to warmer climates or to afford those private options. To assess the supply and demand within our area, we continue to update our seniors' housing needs assessment and we have recently completed that process as part of our business planning cycle. We use this study to uncover trends that will help us plan new capital development initiatives and that will assist us in meeting the needs uh, of the seniors in our region. We attempt to accurately project changes in the population and then determine the housing needs of the low-to-moderate-income households that make up the seniors' population of the region. We use the the statistical modelling that has been incorporated in previous studies prepared by MMSA to arrive at our base figures. The cohort survival model basically projects the population based on movement of people as they age and move through the age cohorts provided in census figures. Birth rates and age-specific death rates can be attributed to the age cohorts to arrive at a projection. Because movement of people between rural to more urban centres, particularly for seniors seeking support services, we incorporated migration into our projections to arrive at what we believe is a more accurate and conservative portrayal of where the population will be in the future within our region. Our region, for purposes of the study, is split into four business areas that match the flow of trade and intra-regional migration. We can look at our population projections for each of the areas, and then we can give you a sense of the seniors' housing gaps that will emerge as the population ages. So starting in Fairview, Fairview continues to show high need as the population as a whole in this area is somewhat older than the other areas. Next to Peace River, it's the highest need area. So this is the population of of, uh, the Fairview area, and it includes uh, Fairview, Hines Creek, and Clear Hills County. This is our projections, uh, which indicate that Fairview will require an additional 100 units of supportive housing by 2026. So the bar indicates the need and uh, the demand, and uh, the line across is the supply. So the need is actually the difference between the two. So anything above the, above the, su- the supply line is, is what is needed. Demand for seniors' independent units is also substantial in the Fairview area. As you can see, they will require an additional 59 units of affordable seniors' apartments by 2026.
2: Um,
7: It's the difference between the top of the bar and the supply, which is the line that goes across the bars. So I have another chart that kind of depicts the difference in the regions. The Manning area has experienced a population decline during the past census period, particularly in the town of Manning. Census figures indicated that Manning lost 22% of their population between 2006 and 2011. So as a result, the support of living demand has been clearly affected and has resulted in vacancies at our lodge in Manning. Through a reprofiling of the support programs at the Lodge, we hope to reverse this in the upcoming business cycle. Within the younger seniors age cohorts, we expect continued growth in demand for independent living units for seniors. So as you can see by our chart, the area will require 36 more of these units in the next 12 years. In our business plan, we are proposing to convert some of the vacant family housing duplexes in Manning to seniors' independent living units. The Grimshaw area also experienced a small population decline during the last census period. We project, however, that the population in this area will see moderate growth over the next 20 years. And of that population, our figures indicate that you're going to need an additional 55 supportive living units within the Grimshaw by by the year 2026. And we suggest in our business plan that the supportive living provider that is already established in Grimshaw may have the best opportunity to add to that capacity for that area. There's also increased demand for independent units as well in the Grimshaw area. Uh, and as the graph indicates, by 2026 there should be there's a need for 39 more apartment units for seniors, affordable seniors housing in Grimshaw. A slide missing hmm. two slides. So I have uh, have a slide here that uh, shows the senior the population projection just for the town of Peace River. Um, so it kind of uh, indicates that our projections are much more conservative than other projections that have been offered. And I'm not sure why we're not getting that slide. Um, but um, basically, we have uh, a projection of 7,236 for 20. 16 going to 7,700 in 2021 and moderately increasing to show 9,700 about for 2041. So those are quite a bit more conservative than what some of the other projections have been uh, provided to you, uh, have, uh, have given you. Was there when I left the office, so. Anyways, these two slides first one shows uh, the population for the town, the second one is for the business area. So, the the Peace River business area encompasses a a much, um, well, a, a bit larger area than just the town. So, it incorporates all of Northern Sunrise County, the village of Napa part of the MD of Peace and part of the Nor- Northern Lights. So the Weberville area of Northern Lights and the Ward 5 of MD of Peace. So that's the, the ward most adjacent to the town of Peace River. So the numbers are significantly larger. So, um, you know, the population of Peace River makes up about two-thirds of that total business area, but uh, but there is that, that surrounding area that has significant population that, that the business trade and, and the migration, the inter-regional migration, is into the town of Peace River. So that's why we include that in, in that business area. So, well, basically because they're the closest to that community. Okay. And I, I received... Um, population data from the ward of MD of Peace and, and Northern Sunri- uh, Northern Lights to indicate what the population was from those two. And then I incorporated that portion of the population of the of the um, total MD into that equation.
6: Can you give us those numbers?
7: What's that?
6: Do you have those numbers for the, same- for the business population?
7: It's in our needs assessment, but... You know, you can look into the document. I I don't have it's sixteen uh, percent of the total MD of Peace population, and I can't remember offhand what exactly it was for the northern. Latin. Okay, so the
6: slide that we're missing was just the definition of.
7: No, no. The slides were the pop popu- a graph like this of the town of Peace River population, and the other one was for the business area.
1: So, I, I did. Anna, uh, did
7: you get the?
5: I, I was just going to mention that. Would this be part of the email that you sent me this evening, yeah. If you want to come by and take a look, and you can use this microphone to continue.
7: Well, it's just that they want I wanted to be able to show them the graph.
0: Switch to us. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, I
2: I think this is the slide.
0: Oh.
1: I, I did uh, just while there's a, a break in Richard's presentation. I did send the needs assessment around to council earlier, so if if people have still got that on their home
5: email, it's it's included in there. No,
2: going to try right
5: now. So Richard, as part of your assessment, you look at you know the potential growth. Like I, I know, like a, a family that lived in Dick uh, in Dixville, but when they wanted to retire, they came to Peace River, they didn't want to like so those people would be factored those types of people would be factored in there like do you look at your current clientele where they came from at all no okay
7: um, we looked at the number of um, of the total seniors population that we service as uh, as a foundation so only a small portion of the of the total seniors population is actually accessing our properties so we use that as a percentage to do, to calculate how much of the total population over 75 and over 85 is going to access our prop- properties? So for our supportive living, it's only 16% of the population. So it's a very small slice of it. Um, but that in, that that regional movement is is not factored uh, in specifically. Basically, it averages out is whats what is what we're trying to uh, to show. But in some area, er- we're trying to capture it within, within the business unit areas because in most cases, if you live around Manning, if you're going to retire off the farm, you would choose Manning in most cases. And just like if you're in the Weberville area, if you're looking for um, support services in your housing, you would lo- look probably to the town of Peace River for those providers that can give that to you. And then the Warrensville areas and, and the areas of, of MD of Peace that surround Grimshaw, we think we'll, we'll look at the Grimshaw area. So that's kind of how we split up our area. And even for the Cleardale, clear the Clear Hills area, uh, most of them will, will move into the Fairview or the Hines Creek uh, two facilities that we have that service that area. So, unfortunately, I don't have those two slides, but it, it's not, those aren't real critical. Oh, you got them now. Anyways, I just, okay, so I have, I have the two slides, I have the slides with, um, so you can see how our, our population projection is a little more conservative than, than some of the others that, that you've seen and how that's going, how we see it growing over the next uh, 25 years. So there's one that says Peace River population projection, and then there's one, the next one is Peace River business area. Okay. So the Peace River business area is the highest growth area in, in the region in terms of both population and in terms of need for seniors' housing. Uh, and in our business plan, this next four years, we hope to address a significant part of that demand. And uh, here's the supportive housing need for the town of Peace River, or for the Peace River business area. And um, you can see that we're going to require an additional 95 supportive living units by 2026.
2: Yeah, he's got his back.
7: yeah. sorry. I hope we don't have any more. It's probably because I am using a newer version of of uh PowerPoint than what this There
0: you
2: go.
7: All right, thank you. So this slide shows the supportive housing need. And again, that's 16% of the population over the age of 75. Okay, So the younger seniors are not even incorporated into this at all. We don't believe that um, a significant uh, portion of the population under 75 accesses supportive living. So we, we just don't even count them. And that actually is fairly indicative of what the total of the Plus 75 population that we actually serve in our facility. So uh, we believe it's an accurate assumption to make. So uh, by 2026, this this graph indicates uh, that we will require 95 more units in Peace River by 2026, and that's going to grow to over 200 by 2041. So they they seem like big numbers, but if you like, there is a very large seniors population coming. Uh, And we think that we're going to be looked at as a a major provider of of that. And again, 16%. The other 84% are somewhere else. Uh, This uh, chart shows that Peace River area will require additional independent living units as well. We need 50 more units by 2026, and that's going to grow to over 100 by 2041. No, Garden Court isn't a supportive living facility, so it's an independent uh, facility. Uh, so it's for people 55 and over. Um, I would say the average age is probably 65. So on that, which is interesting, you brought that up because actually the, guard, the construction of Garden Court didn't have an in, didn't create an increase in the number of units in the town of Peace River. Okay, because really the purpose of doing that was to open up new units at heritage tower for supportive living services for that older age group that requires the supports so that was the the the, um uh, the effect that we were looking to to get when uh, we built that uh, new building Um, some of the people at heritage tower are still living independently Uh, part of the agreement with the province was that we wouldn't force anyone at heritage tower to uh, take supportive living services if they didn't want them. So uh, we do still have several people still living independently there. So um, so that's good. So these... Oh, shit. Missing two more charts.